Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack New World, RECM, and Caliber, along with Caxton, with Mark Hassanfis, who's editor at large at Financial Mail. Mark, always a pleasure, and a good afternoon to you. Great. Nice to be here again. Wonderful, Mark. Let's chat about why you've gone in the direction of these three counters. It's actually counters we don't hear about often. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's one common denominator that they all fairly obscure, mm -hmm. not mainstream uh, shares that people look at. Um, the other common denominator is they're very cheap, in my opinion. Very, very, very cheap. Um, sometimes eye-popping cheap. If, presuming my calculations are correct, they're really quite startling and, uh, you know, quite a surprise. Let's start off by speaking about New World. I mean, they're into electronics and very well diversified throughout the world. Yeah, I suppose you've got to stand back from New World and look at what they are. They distribute consumer electronics, household goods, your TVs, etc., your irons, your snackwich makers, those kind of things. Essential items in households, but obviously not a great time for households to be buying things. You're probably going to make that snackwich last a bit longer, even if the hinges are rusted, and you're probably your one side of your toaster is not working. You'll just keep on using it. So they haven't had a great time of late. I think their, their earnings in, in this period, this financial year, were down 17%. Um, but you've got you've got it. I suppose with all these shares that I've mentioned, and you're going to forgive me, I'm going to put my glasses on, I'm going to have to look down, because these are number-crunching shares. You've mm -hmm. got to look at the numbers. So if we look at something something like New World, um, they're, they're trading at about 25 Rand. The way I calculate it, they've got cash in the bank. That's net cash. That cash is worth about 22 Rand. So out of a share price of 25 Rand, there's 22, 23 Rand in cash. Um, so you, you're putting a 2 Rand valuation on a business, or that, that's actually less than 50 million, a business that's got cash flow of 230 million it generates good cash flows and it's got a very nice offshore business that's it's okay it's half the size of the local business but it's profitable actually more profitable than the local business the share is just dirt cheap um you've got to presume that things will come back uh the cycle will turn consumers will start spending again and they certainly will get through it because they've got lots of cash a strong balance sheet and a very very experienced um management team in fact the management team has been around a very long time, and I'm starting to wonder how much longer they can be around for. Um, but yes, so uh, incredibly cheap share to, to look at, um, and I, I believe something's got to happen. I mean, I can't imagine the key shoulders are looking at this and saying, "Goodness, um, can we carry on like this?" Uh, you know, it, it's it's an opportunity probably for them to delist, even I suppose, mm. or even for someone to buy them out. What I found interesting about them also is that uh, their offshore operations uh, even act as a bit of a rand hedge because uh, in their last set of numbers, it was a huge boost that they had uh, some of their operations uh, reporting in U.S. dollars and converting back uh, to rands, Mark. Let's just talk, talk yeah. about that, that even though the South African consumer market may be weak, it's not really the case in other places of the world where there are many more high net worth uh, individuals. Yeah, look, in a way, I'm not trying to harsh on them but um you know they've had this offshore division for quite a while and it's mainly centered around australia and it remains that way they had problems in australia many years ago they sorted them out um the bulk of it is still the Austra australasia um they've got middle east africa i think they've got stuff in south america i know they went into eastern europe at one stage that seems to have faded out so I, i'm not so sure you know how successful been in, in growing new markets but certainly that australian hub seems to be okay and did fairly well, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to use the word mediocre, but it was a decent performance, you know, mm -hmm. it, it certainly churned profit, and as I say, bigger than the South African business, but that's to be expected. Um, you know, whether there's an appetite to take more risk, I think the guys who manage New World are very conservative, so they're probably not going to go busting into new markets, China, etc., like that, unless it makes a lot of sense. 
but it, it's a decent foothold and it certainly act, does act as a hedge as you suggested and then I must ask you about Black Friday here, uh, you know, uh, just considering the difficult macroeconomic environment here. You know, I know there's this very specific uh, blender that I want and I'm waiting for Black Friday. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering if this is one of those companies that might see a nice little boost over November and over December. Um, and that might really uh, drive uh, some earnings for investors. Yeah, look, I'm not a big Black Friday guy, but I did look at the, my local uh, checkers and they've got a big tent outside now, which they using for Black Friday, but they're really selling stuff there. And uh, I kind of almost fell over. I had to be hauled out of there before I spent money. Um, I, I think things like TVs, which New World are big in, I, I guess that seems to be always an item where I see Black Friday people are buying television. So I guess, yes, maybe it'll be a little boost to them. I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. I think they're quite particular about their margin. Their margins are pretty under pressure now. So I don't know if they're going to participate with much vigor. Also, here now to move over and look at RECM and Calibre. Why have you chosen this one? Uh, you know, uh, it is also a rather interesting stock because there's like one company in there. <laughs> it looks mm. like yes. I, I think that's the, I think that's really the issue. Is that you know, Pitfall Yun and Jan van Eyck started this company. They're two well-known asset managers, and it was a diversified investment company, mostly unlisted companies. They were early investor in Discam, by the way, and made some good money there. Um, Right now, it's down to a single asset, as you said. There's a couple. I think there's some shares in Calgary and a little bit in our story, but they're so small it doesn't matter. The main asset is Gold Rush, the gaming company. Yet, I still believe the market treats this as an investment company. Um, it, you know, the discount. I, I did a calculation there. I think their stake in Gold Rush is worth 891 million. You take off the debt there, Absa. So there's a net asset value there of about 600, a little bit over 600 million. The market price. The market price is. It's, puts a value of 367 million on. So it's a hectic, over 40% discount on a single asset that's doing fairly well. Um, you know, to me, it's it's worth looking at this. And it's particularly, you know, if you look at one asset now, Gold Rush, they give quite a lot of information, by including a, a little see-through into the Gold Rush results. So it's not like you, you, you know, you can't see what's going on. You can dig in quite deep. And I quite, I quite like Gold Rush, mm-hmm. I must be honest. At this price, certainly, yes. What's also interesting, I always say, uh, you know, Mark, is just how uh, big gambling is in, in South Africa. And maybe because I've, I'm not a casino person and I've never been to a casino, I might it's easy to downplay just how much, you know, can be made there, whether it's online betting, whether it's actually going to a casino. And I think, uh, you know, this is what uh, this electronic bingo terminals, I can't even imagine uh, anybody yeah. playing with an electronic bingo terminal, but this is where they play and it's uh, quite a niche market, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, my thing with gaming is I'm, I'm, I think I've been to a casino once in my life to play, but it was just because we were there. I remember being stuck in a parking lot because I had a flat battery because my lights were left on at the AGM and just watching these while I went for the A, watching these people coming in to the casino. And it's they're not well little people, but there's a, obviously there's an attraction. They go there. And I think with the, the new spread of businesses, the LPMs, which you find in, in the pubs and the EBTs, electronic bingers, which are their own little call it mini casinos, if you want. Um, you know, in, in this period for, for Gold Rush and RECM, they've, the LBT, the, 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 the limited power machines have suffered because you're in a pub. A pub can't always have backup power or a restaurant. So when, it, when the power goes off, they're probably shut down. Mm-hmm. The, the, the EBTs are different. They've probably got their own power supply, so they've done a bit better. So there's been a drag on the, LB, on the LPM side. But I'll tell you the thing to watch is the online gaming. Um, that, that, that they have sports betting and online gaming. They kind of lump those together. But I think they said the online gaming grew by 51%. I know it's of a small base, 
but the, the, the online gaming thing is a really it, it's for, for people who are addicted to gambling or like gambling it's a, you know you online you just play the slot machine pushing your your, your mouse it's it's you know and and it, it, obviously highly addictive i think mm-hmm. And that's doing very well for Sun International already. Obviously, we've got the big ones like Hollywood Bets and Lotto Star who dominate the market. But I think these guys can, you know, you've got to get scale. So they'll have to press ahead quite hard. And I suppose that is the issue here is that the marketing spend is probably going to have to go up. And it's at a time where maybe if load shedding comes back, it's going to put more pressure on. So look, there's, there's, there's kind of pressure on, on the RECM share price, but I think longer term, you're getting a, a very good gaming asset at a very good price. So, you know, I'd be happy to kind of... Um, away there. Before we move on from this one, because there's only one real ca- uh, company within uh, RECM and Calibre, is that an opportunity for some sort of a, a change of the name, similar to what we saw with Outsurance, for instance, um, a capital yes. raise uh, there? Is there something like that that could happen here that could, uh, you know, uh, increase shareholder value? Certainly. I, I think, I mean, I would suspect that the that the, 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 the other shareholders, which are management in the Gold Rush business, might want to swap their shares into listed paper and if they came on board i guess you could just transform rcm into gold rush because that's what it really is and uh, yes i mean uh, a capital raise could be interesting i know that there is debt uh, you know gaming companies are geared much higher than other companies so yes there'd be an opportunity for that and i think i'm sure that is the plan i'm guessing there must be a trigger point maybe it's a financial performance metric that they have to reach or something but yeah definitely on the cards i'd say Let's move on to Caxton now. It's a very interesting one because we keep hearing that uh, publishing and print in its a traditional form is dying, uh, you know, a market. But of course, the last set of numbers Caxton released was actually pretty decent. Yeah, look, Caxton, just we've, we've spoken about this before. It is just, uh, uh, I mean, it's diabolically cheap. Um, huge, great cash flows. And I think that, that the market sentiment is, is, is weighed down by this printing side, you know, um, it, okay, it's, it's waning, it's drifting down. It's a little bit like British American Tobacco where, you know, it kind of drifts down slowly. But their packaging side is very, very vibrant. Um, you know, they're doing incredibly well. They're in the right niches. They're in, let's call it the vice business, cigarettes, alcohol, things like that. You know, so they, they do a steady, a, a steady turnover and, a, and a, at a decent margin. Um, the thing with, with Caxton, like I said, I'm going to look down because it's all about numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I look at it, you know, it's a 22 NAV, which is a pretty hard NAV. It's not much goodwill and uh, intangibles there. And then you've got cash of 1.9 million. That's roughly 550 a share. You've got the stake in Impact, another listed company, which adds another maybe four rand. It's almost nine, a little more than nine rand of the share price, which is about 11 rand, 10 rand, 59, is in cash and in the shares in, in, in Impact, the, the investment in Impact. You cannot put a valuation, such a low valuation on the operations. It's impossible. I think they last did, I'm just looking for the figure here, the, the cash flow is enormous. It was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a business that's always generated cash flow, always generated profits, and it, it, it seems wrong. Um, you know, they pay good dividends, and I'd also watch out in this period now, you know, it's, a, it's going to be a tough period. They've got all the cash, they've got a strong balance sheet. Watch them make more acquisitions. I did notice in the annual report, and I don't know how significant this is, and maybe I shouldn't get too excited about it, but they've bought a very small stake in NAMPAC. When I say small, it's, it's just a couple of hundred thousand rand. But that might be at a, po- at a point, at the end of the reporting period. They might have bought more, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting that they would take it. I don't think they'd do something like that flippantly, so it's w- maybe worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think other small acquisitions in the packaging sector, definitely on the cards.
Another business they seem to have entered, which is very interesting because nobody ever knows who makes their coffee cups. But they've entered the yeah. coffee cup uh, you know, industry there and they're quite excited about uh, this yeah. business. In my mind, uh, South Africa doesn't have a big coffee culture, maybe not as big as the United States. But I think uh, I'm wondering to hear from you, Mark, if you think this is a worthy pursuit here, uh, you know, as people like to go out for a cup of coffee or maybe just take things out, you know, uh, takeouts in the home uh, and so on. Look, I mean, I'm in Cape Town and I think people walk around with their takeaway cups of coffee like it's a badge of honor or something, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I do think that it's probably the right market. I think it's quite vibrant down here. I'm a big coffee drinker and I must be honest, I love getting that takeaway cup. It's fantastic. You've got it in your hand and I just like the feel of it. For me, it's better than having a cup at home. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's probably a good growing market. And I guess if you get into the, the quick service restaurant, servicing them, that's pretty big volumes. And uh I don't know what the margin's like. We'll have to wait and see because they've just started it. But, uh, yes, I don't think they take things on without uh, thoroughly researching the market. I'm sure it's going to be quite lucrative for them. It's very interesting one there, Mark. I'm keen to get your ranking for these. You did say it's all about the numbers. So maybe we can uh, look at those numbers again. For a retail investor uh, who has some money and they're keen to get into these, also considering how uh, dirt cheap you say they are, uh, in which order would you buy them? Uh, definitely Caxton's always my <laughs> perennial favorite. Mm -hmm. It'll be number one. I guess just in terms of pure, pure C2 value, New World, and then RECM and Caliber. And Market today, our educational segment is a Kingmaker Steak. Speak to us about that. Yeah, look, a Kingmaker Steak is quite an interesting one. Um, it's when, when an entity or a personality even would end up with a significant stake in a company, but not a controlling stake. So maybe 17%, maybe 22%, maybe 18%. And But because there's a a tussle for control of a company, they have the swing the swing vote in effect. So they become the kingmaker. They can determine who takes control of the company and they can literally set their own price. Mm -hmm. The very, very famous one obviously was back in the in the late nineties when Christo Visa kind of got between Transex or Remgro and Ocean Diamond Mining. And uh, when, Nam when Namco were trying to take take it over as well. So you had Transex on the one side and Namco on the other side and Christo sitting in the middle with about a seventeen percent stake determining the fate of this company at a very big profit. So those are things to look for. Um, you know, when, when an entity suddenly emerges with a significant stake, especially if there's a strategic change in the company or perhaps a, a subtle change of control happening, those are companies to watch because things can definitely happen there and escalate quickly. It reminds me of what might happen in 2024 with coalitions, Mark, if I'm very honest. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> Please not that complex. <laughs> That's a bit what I thought of. But also what came to mind was uh, uh, an investor like the PIC uh, often has this role, uh, but they're not always an active investor, you know. I'm wondering if it matters yeah. exactly who also, uh, you know, the company is with the king maker stake and what their temperament may be. Yeah, I'd say it would be a more opportunistic uh, entity. But having said that, you know, you, you bring up a very good point here that the PRC lately, and I've just been seeing it all over the place, are suddenly emerging with kind of bigger stakes than usual in some companies. And I do wonder, you know, whether they would actually step in and uh, determine the fate of a company. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of them offhand now, but I did notice a, uh, quite a lot the other day. They just kept popping up and kept, kept saying, wow, what, what, why are they doing this? So, yes, maybe they will play that role. Very interesting, Mark. Thank you so much for speaking to us this evening. It's always afternoon. It's always a pleasure having you on Stock Picks with us. Thanks, Marco. Well, that was Mark Hassenfuss. He's editor at large at the Financial Mail, joining us with his analysis on Stock Picks.